What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today was a fun episode for me. Um, I, I was going on very little sleep, but uh, it was actually a really fun episode talking about seven rules for a better body. As you will learn, it's not really quite about just having a better body, but I kind of thought that was a cool title. Anyway, it was a fun conversation for me, a fun topic to discuss something that uh, I think a lot of people need to hear. So I'm not sure if this will end up being the most popular episode because sometimes when we get a little deep and introspective, I don't know, you guys are like, yeah, yeah, great. Just tell me how much to eat. Tell me what my macro should be and send me on my way. But you will learn why that approach is not the best approach and how we should think about things. So I'm just going to let you listen for yourself. As always, I would love to hear some feedback from you. Just shoot me a message on Instagram. Tell me what you think of the podcast. Tell me what you think of the show. You can hit me up. It's at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And you can leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you so please. And you can always share the episode on Instagram by taking a screenshot and posting it to your stories. And you can tag me if you do that as well. Or you can just send the episode link to a friend or family member. All of those ways will keep us growing at the rate that we are, which is pretty freaking epic. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. All right, welcome everybody who is tuning in on the Mind Over Macros podcast. As you know, Monday nights, we're live in the Facebook community. If you want to join us in there, you're welcome. We would love to have you. You can just search the personality diet and neurotype training. On the Facebook search bar, whatever that is, you just go to Facebook and you type it in the search function. We should pop up and see my ridiculous face, which is currently on screen in in the Facebook community, having not slept very much. My hair is a mess. haven't showered today. I worked out earlier. It's not a good look. So I don't blame you if you would just prefer to listen to the audio. But you do have the option of joining us in the community because we have an amazing community, literally the best community there is in the entire planet that is scientifically proven. That is not my opinion. That is backed by firm data science. It is undisputable. We have undisputable evidence that we are the best community in existence. Don't try to debate me. There is no debate. This is facts. So you can join us or you can keep listening on the show. We were just having a conversation about whether you shower in the morning or you shower in the evening. So this is the type of riveting conversation that you're missing out on if you're just listening to the podcast. I mean, it's really important stuff that you should probably be joining us for. I guess we should talk about something a little bit more important. Today, I wrote a post and as I tend to do, if it gets a lot of feedback and engagement, I like to talk more about it because I feel like I'm a little bit, uh, even though you probably, if you subscribe to my emails, if you are friends with me on Facebook, you probably realize that the way that I write is similar to the way that I talk and it's very long-winded. But I still, even with my long form writing style, I still feel like I can't quite capture everything that I want to say in a post or an email. And anytime I get a lot of feedback, which happened this morning, I'm always like, okay, well, this is an opportunity for me to go in to more detail about the topic. And today, 
The post was titled Seven Rules for a Better Body. Now, I have to give a quick shout out. I have a good friend of mine who is an amazing writer. Her name is Alex. She is somebody that I have looked up to in the copywriting. Like she just writes really well. So I've studied her writing style for a while and, and we became friends. And she wrote a post like seven lessons for a better life. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to do my own version of this with seven rules for a better body. Now, when we talk about seven rules for a better body, it's not just physical. I'm talking, I just couldn't think of a better way to encompass everything. You know, like seven rules for better health just didn't have the, the same hook to it. It just didn't seem as appealing. Uh, so I went with seven rules uh, for a better body. And that's what we're going to talk about. And, and the reason it's, it's kind of twofold. Yes, I was inspired by my friend who kind of wrote something more personal development, you know, in that realm. And so I was inspired by that idea, but I was also inspired by the kickoff call that we did last night. So for those of you who are not in our challenge, first of all, what are you even doing with your life? Second of all, we did the kickoff call last night on Sunday. And uh, those calls always fire me up. That's actually why I didn't get much sleep because the energy, you can, you can feel the energy virtually. It's crazy. And I say that like full, you can actually feel it. Like it just, maybe it's just my own adrenaline, but, but like the engagement, the comments, everybody is just there with each other, dialed in, focused, and it's just a cool feeling. And so my adrenaline goes through the roof and then I have a hard time calming down afterwards. So even though I tried to take some CBD, I did my Organifi gold juice. I did all of the hacks that I could possibly do. Um, had some carbs, did all the things that I could do, but I still didn't sleep very well. And uh, it, it's typical. I was, I was ready for it, but here we are. So not only was I inspired by the post that my friend made, I was also inspired by the kickoff call because I noticed that we get, I get so many questions about nutrition, about fitness. And I would say 99% of them are, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound like an asshole. I don't want to say that they're irrelevant, but 99% of the questions are kind of focused on minor details that don't really matter. Like, is it okay to eat past 6 p.m.? What are your thoughts on, you know, skipping breakfast? Um, how many days of cardio should I be doing? Um, should I be eating low carb? Or the one that I get the most frequently is like, I've got, you know, this set of macros and I'm eating this many calories. And like, do you think that's right for me? And not even providing any other context. And it's just, it shows how we get so focused on the tactics. We get so focused on these specific details, the, the minutia that really doesn't matter. Like, if I were to tell you logically, let's just use the cardio example. Like logically, do you think that if you did two days of cardio versus three days of cardio versus one day of cardio, like that that's going to be the real difference maker that you've been looking for your, you know, your whole life? Like that's going to move the needle. Probably not. If I were to ask you logically, 
if eating, you know, three meals a day versus four meals a day was going to be the difference maker to the results that you've been looking for? Probably not. Even when it comes to macros, even when it comes to like something that is important, right? The amount of food that you're eating is important. It makes a difference, but we get so focused on like the precision of it. Like it's these exact numbers. The the macros are really just a tool to get close enough. But more importantly, it's a tool to create awareness around what helps you feel your best. It's not about the perfect calculation. It's not about like, all right, well, we have to do this exact calculation. And on these days, you have to eat this exact amount. And if you don't, you're a failure. And then on these days, we have to eat this exact amount. If you don't, you're a failure. It's not about that. It's just pointing us in a direction. It's getting us close enough to be able to pay attention to how you feel, to how consistent you are, to focus on like the big picture, what really matters. And the funny thing about all of this is I say it and it sounds like I am above all of this stuff, which is not true at all because I still get caught up in this stuff. I still get caught up in majoring in the minors. And I battled with this for a very long time where it was the only thing that I focused on. I always thought that like the smallest little detail was going to make a world of difference. It was like, wait a minute, if I start, if I break my fast at noon versus 1 p.m., like that's a huge difference. Like in my world, if you had told me this like seven years ago, I would have totally believed you if you were like, actually, it's not. 12, it's 1230. You, you can start eating at 1230. If you eat at 12, you're not going to get any results. But if you start eating at 1230, you're good to go. Like I actually would have believed you. I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe I had been missing that like integral piece of information. Legitimately would have thought that was true. So I'm, I'm not coming at this from the approach of I'm above it because I still sometimes forget and, and I lose sight of the stuff that matters. And I get so focused on on the minor details, which after last night's kickoff call, I realized that a lot of us are still stuck in that mindset because it's pretty much what we've been told forever, right? We've been told that you need the perfect macro plan. We've been told that you need the perfect amount of cardio that you should be, you know, only eating at certain times of day. You should be cutting out, you know, certain things. You should be eating low sodium and eating low sugar. The, the low sodium thing is just crazy to me. Where did that ever start? How did that ever get started that people were like, all right, you know, eat low sodium and you're going to get your body composition goes like that was, I don't know, whoever started that. We need to have a talk because that's, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, anyway, we get focused on the supplements. We get focused on all the things that doesn't really move the needle because that's all like it's out. You can start Googling stuff right now and you'll see pretty much everywhere you look, it's just tactic after tactic after tactic. And nobody actually addresses the big rocks that matter. So that's my long-winded intro into this concept as to why am I talking about the seven rules for a better body? Because this is the stuff that matters. Everything else is mostly a distraction. It just is. I don't, you know, like the, the, the whole macro stuff, it's if you put these seven pieces in place, if you have the big rocks in place, if you have a strong foundation, the macro stuff is so easy. It actually is. And I know that people get hung up on the, oh, well, I don't want to obsess over macros and weigh and track. It's not about that. That's just a tool. That's like saying, 
oh, I don't want to use a hammer to hammer in this nail. Like, okay, we like you can. It's probably not the hammer's fault that you have a bad relationship with the hammer. You might want to try like the, the back of a screwdriver instead, which is totally fine. You can probably get the nail in. Might not be the most efficient way, but it's not the tool's fault. It's your relationship with the tool. And that's it's essentially what we're talking about here, which is why I like to start with the foundation. I said something last night on the kickoff call that, you know, sometimes I like to pat myself on the back. I thought it was really profound. It kind of just came out of me, but it was like, I said something along the lines of the tactics are always a manifestation of your mindset in that moment. Like nobody really believes like deep down in your core, you don't actually believe that like 800 to a thousand calories is the right approach or is sustainable. You don't actually believe that you should be joining some MLM company eating shakes and bars and not eating real food. Like nobody goes into that thinking that that's like really the answer. It's your it's a manifestation of your mindset in that moment. Because in that moment you're thinking about I don't like where I am right now. I want to get to where I am where I, I want to get to where I want to be as fast as possible. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I don't want to look like this anymore. I want this body fat gone. So yes, I will sign up for your MLM and you can send me your shakes and bars and I'll eat 800 calories a day and I'll stop working out because that's what the program tells me to do. It's just a manifestation of your mindset in that moment. It has nothing to do with the tactics, the tactics themselves. It's your mindset in that moment. So that's why I think it's important that we realize that's where it all begins. It all begins with what are you thinking in that moment? Where are you at psychologically? Where are you at mentally before we start to worry about any of these tactics? If you're still focused on, on like the minor details, it's not that we have to fix the details. It's we have to fix, we have to get to the root cause of why you believe that those small details are the difference maker. Now, you might be in like the 1% where you're like already really, really lean and you want to get even leaner, and you're like, well, I'm like 10% body fat and I want to get to 7% body fat. Like, yeah, the details matter. Then we have to fight the focus on the, the, the minor details and really pay attention to things. But for most of us, that's not where we're at. So without further ado, let's jump in. Seven rules for a better body. I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about better mind, better body, better health, overall well-being, however we would encompass that into a word. I just felt like seven rules for a better body was a little bit, uh, it was kind of a catchy hook. So that's what we're going to go with. So the first thing is, above all else, what if you just actually gave a shit about what you put in your body? And I'm not coming at this from the perspective of only eating quote unquote, clean foods, or that there are certain foods that are off limits, or that you have to eat a certain way, right? Like this isn't about low carb versus high carb. This isn't about paleo versus vegan. This isn't about anything like that. This is about just a fundamental awareness and care about what goes into your body. So if I care about what goes into my body, most of the time, I'm going to choose foods that make me feel my best. If I care about what I'm putting in my body, 
I probably won't eat a lot of foods that make me feel like shit. Right? That's just common sense. If a food tanks my energy or if it fucks up my digestion, I'm probably not going to eat that food very often if I care about what's going into my body. But now, on the flip side of that, it's it's context dependent. So there may be certain situations where caring and giving a shit about what you put in your body actually has to do with foods that you enjoy just because they're so delicious. Like when you want to have a drink and a burger, whatever, you're like in that moment, you're with friends, you're with family, and there's a meaningful dish. Like let's say your grandmother made this epic pasta and you you haven't seen your grandmother in a while. Like the food, like giving a shit about what you put in your body also fits into that narrative of man, this is really like nostalgic for me. So I want to eat this, this epic dish that my grandmother prepares, or, you know, I want to have this slice of cake to celebrate my daughter's birthday or whatever it may be. No food is good or bad. It's just context dependent. So like most of the time, because I like to perform well at what I do for a living, I like to be able to create. I like to be creative. I like to write. I like to podcast. I like to help people. You know, I like to coach. I like to teach. I like to educate. All of these things require foods that make me feel my best with energy and mood and recovery and digestion and sleep. And I don't like to be hungry. So keeping hunger in check is really important for me because you don't like to see me hungry. Um, But on the flip side of that, I also like situations where. I want to enjoy friends and family. And I, you know, Mel and I like to, we're, we're foodies. Like we like to eat. If you ever go out to dinner, this is a true story. Mel and I, when we go out to eat nine times out of 10, when it's just the two of us, we order so much food that they make a two top, a four top so that we have extra space for the food that we've ordered. We like to eat. Both of us can put away food, but there's times like that where we just want to enjoy the evening, want to enjoy good food, a quality drink, like the experience, the conversation, being with each other. All of that is giving a shit. It's just a different context. So that's number one. It's just care. Just care. Give a shit about the food that you're putting in your body and understand the context and how it's serving you in that specific context. Number two. Expand your time horizon. I would say that this is probably the most important one, debatable, but it's up there because most of us, we live on instant gratification. We need to see progress like yesterday. And God forbid, if you ate a little bit more or if you, you know, something happened, you're, you're a little bit more stressed, or you had a heavy leg day, or you had a little bit higher sodium, or you had a little bit more carbs than normal, or you are retaining water, God forbid the scale is up a couple pounds the next day, because that's like the end of the world. Because we have to tell ourselves that it can't just be water retention. That would be way too logical. It has to be the world coming to an end. It has to be immediate body fat. We just circumvented all science and we just went to straight body fat overnight. Two pounds of body fat overnight, which would be like a 7,000 calorie surplus. 
Um, so no, <laughs> we have to, we have to understand the time horizon. We have to understand delaying gratification, which when we are in this instant gratification mode, it causes us to put a lot of value and emphasis on short-term things like one decision. Like I ate this cookie that I didn't plan on eating, or I had only intended on you know hitting 2000 calories, but I ended up at 3000 calories. Or we had a whole week, we were on vacation and we feel like we, we didn't really, you know, we went to fuck it mode on vacation or whatever, or you had a bad month or you had a really bad year, but we can't zoom out and see that a day, a week, a month, a year in the grand scheme of things is not that long. It's really not. And we're always so focused on the short-term result that we lose sight of playing the long game. So if we can just zoom out and keep things in perspective, all of a sudden that one decision is, is pretty irrelevant. Like think about 10 years. If you were to think about a 10-year time horizon, what is one day or one week or one month out of 10 years? It's basically nothing. Like if you were to map that out and you were like, I don't know, graph it out, trend it out, draw a little line, like it's not even a blip on the radar. It probably wouldn't even show up on your little graph. It's nothing. But when we're so focused on that instant gratification, we get so hung up on every little move, we lose sight of what's truly important. So expand your time horizon, delay gratification. Again, this is like these things go hand in hand because when you're so hyper focused on the small details that don't matter, then you get caught up in this stuff and it, and it burns you out. It's really exhausting to stress about every little decision all the time. It's really exhausting to think about food all the time. Am I doing this right? Is this one decision going to make or break me? Like zoom out. That shit's exhausting. You don't need it. Zoom out, expand your time horizon. Number three, move your body. I always, I get asked this question on podcasts all the time. If I'm a guest on somebody else's podcast, they always say, for some reason, this is a common question. Like, what would you tell somebody who's just starting out and they want to, you know, get into better shape and they want to start focusing on their nutrition and they don't even know where to start. Where would you tell them to start? And I always say, walk more. Like they asked me, you know, specifically, like, what about with, uh, you know, somebody who wants to like dial in their nutrition? I'm like, yeah, walk more, right? It has nothing to do with food. Just walk. That's where you should start. Uh, we have this amazing ability to move our body and vary our bodies in various ways. And we should take advantage of that. It's probably the best thing that you can do for your health, not just for like stress relief, but for enjoyment, for pleasure, uh, you know, for expressiveness, like just move your body. It doesn't have to be walking. I prefer walking. That's, you know, I, I think it's great. It's just a way to embrace your surroundings, to be present, to unwind, to relieve some stress. But, you know, if you come to my house, you will inevitably walk into a kitchen dance party. It happens every single night or day, depends on my mood, but we'll just start. It, there won't even be music playing. I will literally, and Mel can back me up. She can pop her head in here and back me up. I'll literally just start dancing. There won't be, it'll be music in my head and I'll just start dancing. And 
and Mel being the, the trooper that she is, and she also enjoys dancing, then she'll just join me. And we'll just start a random dance party in the kitchen. Move your body, dance, run, swim, bike, stretch, hike, climb, play sports. I miss sports. I used to box. I used to play flag football in my older years. I used to play on a softball team in my older years. Growing up, I played everything, tennis, soccer, basketball, baseball. I played it all. I miss it. Do think, move your body in ways that you enjoy. Just move. So that's number three. Number four, get strong. This is, I was going to say lift weights, but just pursuing strength is, is probably one of the best endeavors that you can do for yourself in life. I'm not even going to say for your health. We know the advantages of you know, getting stronger and building muscle. It's been proven that it helps with longevity. It's been proven that it helps with your hormonal profile. It's been proven that it helps with your metabolism. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about mentally. The act of getting stronger, the pursuit of strength has carryover effects in every area of your life. You will show up better in your relationships. You will show up better at work. You will show up with more confidence. You'll show up better for the people that need you. It is being more capable just for everyday life things. Like I don't ever want to take two trips to have to carry some grocery bags in. That will never happen. Not only do I I do it in one trip, but typically I do it in one hand. Like I like to see how many bags I can hold in one hand. That's like building strength for life. And it's, it's empowering to actually see yourself getting stronger, to be more capable, to, to be able to do things for yourself, to not have to rely on anybody else. I think one of the most upsetting things to me to witness in like, you know, society at large is people that just let their bodies deteriorate. They just let their bodies wither away. That's not what we were meant to do. We are are capable of so much. Like pursue strength, challenge yourself. Most people when they go to the gym, they don't push hard enough. It's just reality. When I see people lifting, they don't challenge themselves enough to be able to actually get stronger and build muscle. Now, some of it can just happen because of like newbie gains. But after that, when you're more advanced and you actually have to really push yourself, how many times have you ever gone to real failure, like actual failure? That shit is terrible. That's a horrible feeling when you're like completely helpless and you have nothing left and you literally can't move the weight anymore. But sometimes you got to, not all the time, but sometimes you should push yourself. I actually want to give a little shout out here because um, Mel and I are doing a new training program, type 2A. We're both 2As. We're doing a new 2A training program. And our last phase that we just finished up, we had bench press and we both hit all-time PRs. But not only that, we both hit all-time PRs for two reps. Like what would have been our one rep PR, we both hit for two reps and we both had more in the tank, which I thought was crazy because we're pretty seasoned. I didn't feel like there was going to be much PRing left (laughs) in my life. And for that to happen and, you know, for that to happen to both of us, it's just, you know, pursue strength. It was an amazing feeling. I haven't had that feeling in, in a while because honestly, I haven't PR'd in a while. 
but we need to, the, the act of getting stronger, the act of pursuing strength, it's so empowering. Like you, you walk a little bit taller, you're more confident, you carry yourself better, you show up better in your relationships. It's been proven that you will have better sex just as a, you know, slight side effect bonus there. Like people who lift weights and build muscle report more satisfaction with sex. You can look it up. Not lying to you. It's on PubMed. Do your research. It's there. So that's just another little side effect there. But yeah, it's a lot more fun when you are strong and capable. So pursue that shit. Number five, stop dieting. Like stop it right now. Cut it out. Draw the line in the sand. I am not going to ever go back to that. You know, you've got the diets that's like your default. Oh, if I if things get a little out of control, I'll just go back to that crazy shakes and bars bullshit that I tried. Stop. Stop dieting. Stop going back to the 800 calories. Stop going back to the 1200 calories. Stop going back to the food list. Oh, I can only eat. I, I talked to somebody today who was on a diet. It was only protein and veggies and was allowed a little bit of fruit, a little bit of fruit, not too much because God forbid we have too much fruit. It's literally only protein and veggies and just a little bit of fruit. Stop that shit. You know, it's not sustainable. It's stressful. Living in a constant state of restriction is is very tiring. And I did that for 10 years. And I've actually come to realize, I used to say that number like it was this epic, like, holy shit, I dieted for 10 years of my life. And then the more people that I interact with, the more I'm like, yeah, it's actually, that's on the shorter side of things. I talk to people who are like, yeah, try 40 years, jackass, try 50 years. Um, legitimately. And it's tiring. It's stressful. It's exhausting. Nobody, nobody, we weren't put on this earth to sit here and constantly use willpower and, and like have to be so diligent about all these foods that we're not allowed to eat and to have to constantly battle hunger. And like, it's all right. I'm so hungry but I'm on this diet, so I'm not going to eat anything. Like, that's not normal. That's not how we were designed. So having that dieter's mindset, it's not serving you. It's doing more harm than good. The way that I always like to think about it is if that stuff was going to work, wouldn't, wouldn't it have worked by now? If that go-to program that you always default back to, whatever it is, you know, your, your shakes and bars, your 1,200 calories, or that automated macro program that you love to go back to. If any of that shit was going to work, it would have worked by now, but it hasn't. You have a lot of evidence to suggest that it's not going to work. So just stop, draw the line in the sand. I am not going to do that. When things go sideways, I am going to continue to lean on the habits and the foundational stuff that I know make me feel my best. I'm going to care more about what I put in my body. I'm going to move my body more. I'm going to pursue strength. I'm going to expand my time horizon. Just go back to the basics. You don't have to jump into, you don't have to go back to the, all right, 30 days, I'm going to eliminate everything because I need to rip the bandaid off. You don't have to do that. It's keeping you stuck. It makes you think that you're doing everything right. Oh, it's, I do everything right. I eat so clean. 
I'm the cleanest eater in the world. I'm like, my food is spotless. It's so clean. And then, of course, when we continue the conversation, we peel the layers of the onion back. There's binge episodes. There's lack of control around food. There's a horrible relationship with food. It's not serving you. So stop it. Cut that shit out. Number six, prioritize yourself. By the way, have you noticed that when I'm sleep deprived, I curse a lot more? I don't know if that's correlation or not, but I just noticed it. Um, Number six, prioritize yourself. There is nothing that wrecks havoc more on your results than stress. Number one killer of progress. Everything, like if we actually go to the root cause of most disorders, hormonally, with gut health, psychologically, right? There's a lot of things just come back to stress being the root cause. Your, your, your metabolic health, mostly stress-related. Because what happens? You, you did the shakes and bars and you jacked up your metabolism. Stressful. Eating that little is stressful. And then you added a whole bunch of exercise on top of that, which was stressful. You didn't recover. That's stressful. You've got work. That's stressful. You've got kids. They're stressful. You got a spouse. That's stressful, right? All this stuff adds up. It all comes back to that. And many times you spend your whole life thinking that you have to put everybody else before you, thinking that you're doing a favor to those people because they should come first, right? My kids should come first. My partner should come first. My friends should come first. My coworkers should come first. No, that is so backwards. Because if everybody else comes first and you're constantly coming last, then they're getting a watered down version of you. They're getting a version of you that is completely drained, that has no energy, that is running on fumes. And then what do you have left? You're you're constantly sitting there with an empty cup, questioning everything. And then you start to resent those people. But the idea of putting yourself first sometimes is scary because we like to hold on to those things. We like to hold on to those things like a badge of honor. Well, people need me. I'm really important. I need to be there for these people. You tell yourself that, but it's probably a story. It's probably a story that you're telling yourself to, to stay in that predictable pattern. One thing about our, our brains is that they will always keep us, they will always fight to keep us in predictable patterns. So if you've always been a people pleaser, that's a predictable pattern. If you try to snap out of that, your brain will try and get you back into that feedback loop. Same thing with self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is nothing more than a protective mechanism to keep you in a predictable pattern. If you don't follow the holistic psychologist on Instagram, you absolutely should. She just wrote a post about this today. Self-sabotage. I talk about this all the time and she echoed my words, which was very uh, confirming. She said, self-sabotage is a protective mechanism that your brain uses to keep you stuck in a predictable pattern. We like comfort. We like certainty. We like predictability. That's why we self-sabotage because change, that's scary. That's unpredictable. That's why it's so difficult. Why do you think so many people don't change? Why do you think so many people sit there and rattle off all the things that they want? I want all of these things, but they don't do anything about it. It's because our brain pulls us back into that predictable pattern, perfectionist tendencies, all of that. 
We hold on to those things and we pretend like, oh, this stress, it's just, I can't do anything about it because I have kids. I have to prioritize my kids. I have a partner. I have to prioritize them. Everybody needs me. It's a lie. You're identifying with those things and you're holding on to them instead of recognizing that you have to prioritize yourself first and you have plenty of space to do so. You're just not doing it. You're holding on. You're remaining stuck because that's your comfort zone. It's not easy, but it needs to be done. So if you're not your number one priority, everybody else is suffering. It's just facts. That is not debatable. If you are not your number one priority, everybody else around you is suffering. You're doing them a disservice. Think about, I'll use myself as an example. I have to run my business. I have coaches that rely on POP for their well-being, for like their, um, you know, to support themselves, to support their families. Um, I have people that rely on our coaches our clients that rely on our coaches for their well-being, for their health and their mental well-being, right? There's a trickle effect. So what happens if I just completely ignore myself and I am always drained and I'm always cranky and I never fill my own cup and I'm just an absolute hot mess? What happens to pop? What happens to the people who depend on pop, right? What happens to those coaches? What happens to their families? What happens to the clients that we serve? It's doing everybody else a disservice. Point blank period. That's it. It's doing everybody else a disservice. You have to come first. If you don't, you are doing more damage to the people you think you're helping by putting them first. That's all I'll say about that. Number seven, challenge your excuses. This is one of the probably the most important life lesson that you can learn. Our thoughts are not fact. Your thoughts are not fact. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts per day. Most of them are not fact. Okay? We have to challenge some of those beliefs. We have to challenge some of those thoughts. We have to challenge those excuses. It's, it's okay to accept that an excuse might be valid, right? Valid is okay. You can say, you know what? This is, this is a valid excuse. You might actually be a really busy person. That's a valid excuse, but that doesn't change the situation, right? Because it's, it, just because it's a valid excuse, that doesn't change the situation. You still have to do what needs to be done. You're still in control. You can say, it's not fair. The odds are stacked against me, right? I have poor genetics. I'm going through menopause. I had a tough upbringing. All of these things are, are valid, but it doesn't change the situation. You are still in control. You are still the one responsible. A lot of things in life aren't your fault, but are your responsibility. Somebody hits you from behind, you're driving, you're parked, stopped at a red light, and somebody smashes into the back of your vehicle. Not your fault, but still your responsibility. You still have to handle shit. You still have to you know, get the insurance and take the car in and do what needs to be done. It's your responsibility. It wasn't your fault, 
but it's your responsibility. Same thing with all of your valid excuses. Some of them are valid, some of them are not, but you, you should challenge all of those thoughts. When you find yourself, when you catch yourself believing one of your excuses, just take a minute to be like, is this really the case? Is there an argument to the contrary? Can I think of something? Can I remove the emotion from this situation? And can I think about it from a factual standpoint? Is this true? Right? We, we often color all of this commentary. You know, like we beat ourselves up if we make certain food choices and we're like, I'm a failure. I'm a horrible person, blah, blah. If you actually just remove all the emotion from that story, it's literally human ate food, right? Like that's the nuts and bolts of it. But we color all of this commentary about what it means. It's not fact. You have to challenge those thoughts. You have to challenge your excuses. It's, it's easy to play the comparison game or look at somebody else's circumstances and think that they have it better. But what does that do for you? How does that help you? It's not serving you in any type of way. It's actually just another form of keeping yourself stuck and keeping yourself in predictable patterns. It's still up to you to take responsibility. And I honestly believe that most people hold on tight to their excuses because it's a really vulnerable place to be when you let go of them. When you let go of them, it's just you. You're fully exposed. You just... You're looking at yourself in the mirror. You're the only person there. You don't have any of your armor. You've stepped out of that, that shield, that, that turtle shell, and it's just you, naked, exposed, and that's a scary place to be. You're like, well, shit, now it's just all on me. I let go of all my excuses. I have no other reason not to succeed. You're right. So you should probably do that because then it becomes unreasonable not to succeed once you let go of those things. But I think that most of us hold on tight because it's really scary to be exposed that way. It's really scary to be vulnerable. Or you could view it as it's really empowering and it's really exciting because without my excuses, I can accomplish anything. You could choose that perspective also. But the more that you believe those things to immediately be fact, the more that you will let them hold you down. It be, they become your shackles, right? Your, your excuses. It's not just your armor. It's your armor and chain, right? It's, it's your ball and chain when you hold on to those excuses, because then you'll constantly think, oh, it's actually not the right time. And you'll believe that to be true. So you won't do anything. You won't take action. You'll stay in your predictable pattern. Or, you know, I can't afford this, or it's not right for me. This won't work for me. I'm broken. I'm a failure. I can't be successful. All the things that you tell yourself, you'll believe it. If you just rattle those things off in your mind, it'll keep you in your, in your same predictable pattern. You'll stay in your comfort zone, but you'll also never accomplish what you want to accomplish. And that sucks. It sucks to know that you're capable of more. And the only reason that you didn't get there was because you believed those excuses to be true and you never challenged them. So that's number seven. Challenge those excuses. Don't accept everything that you think to be fact. It's not. Challenge it. So there you have it. That's my list, my seven rules for a better body. Hopefully, this was somewhat helpful. If it was, I would love to hear some feedback. If you want to hit me up 
on Instagram, you can always shoot me a DM at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. If you need help in general with anything, your health, building strength, building confidence, getting leaner, relationship with food, we do it better than anybody else. We have an incredible track record. If you've been in, uh, in our Facebook group, you've seen some amazing stories from clients who have been with us for a long time, who have hit some incredible milestones. And uh, I'm really proud of that because if you had known the, the story before the story, um, some of them have been really, really impactful and meaningful for me, but we do it better than anybody. So hit me up if you need any help and uh, we've always got you covered. Uh, you can always shoot me a message on Instagram or Facebook. It's just my name, Mike Milner on Facebook. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. I will talk to you guys very soon.